the simplest commercial baking resource. Brought to you by Bakerpedia and hosted by Lynn Carson with a PhD in grain sciences. Sharing knowledge and helping you grow connections. Listening to the Baked in Science podcast. Welcome to Baked in Science. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn from Bakerpedia, the world's largest technical resource for baking. Before we start, I would like to thank our sponsors, MGP Ingredients. MGP is the innovative producer of FiberSim. This innovative new fiber is a resistant wheat starch that provides a higher water absorption as well as reduced mixing times. MGP has technical support staff available to help you commercialize your next high fiber product. So contact them at sales at mgpingredients.com. So Today, bakers, we are going to talk about taste and aroma. Quite often, we forget that taste is a driver for better sales. Here with me today is Reen from Tot Taste, all the way from the Netherlands, to talk about a natural flavor, onions. Today, we have Reen the CEO of Top Taste. They are amazing growers and producers from the Netherlands. Welcome, Reen. Hi. How are you? Reen, you have an interesting business there. Could you tell our listeners a little bit more about your onion products and its uh, natural flavors that we could use in baking? Yeah, we have uh, we are a family company. It's a father, two sons. Uh, my father, my brother is responsible for the for all the growing and producing activities, and myself, I'm uh, responsible for all the commercial activities. Uh, yeah, what can I tell you about our company? Our company is uh, existing since 1953, so already quite long. Wow. Owns the company since 1990, and the funny thing is that he has been a, a truck driver in that company. So when he oh. was a young man, he okay. uh, he worked as a truck driver for 10 years, and then he left the company. He went to a French fry, uh, French fry onion uh, company. He was uh, like a production uh, manager over there, and then he came back. Uh, and he had a possibility to buy the company through a management buyout. So wow. Been working quite long and we owned the company since 1990. I joined it uh, somewhere in uh, 2007. Okay. And uh, what are the products that your companies sell? Yeah, we do actually everything with uh, onions. Uh, so it starts all with the onion. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah showing if, me an onion. <laughs> if, if you grow onions, there are two uh, type of onions. So you can grow onions from direct seed. Oh, okay. You can grow it as well from uh, uh, transplants or let's say onion sets. Do you see this small yeah. tiny onion? It looks like a pearl onion to me. Yeah, yeah, but this, uh, you know, it's like it's uh, like it's it's to plant. So if you if you use those transplants, 
you know you can use it for two reasons you can be earlier on the market so you can ha you can harvest your crop earlier but uh, the second thing is that it contains uh, you know you can uh, you can have a better uh, fried onion let's say it in that way so uh, you know as we are doing the, the the planting material we are doing the fresh onions as I showed you we are doing the the fried onions you know, uh, we do the pearl onions. Maybe you know them from the cocktail. Yeah, yeah very right, popular right. in uh, in the United States as well. We do peeled onions, so we uh, deliver to uh, the salad uh, industry. Uh, we do shallots. Uh, what else we do? We do onion oil, onion concentrate. So everything. So, so you know everything about onions, right? <laughs> Not everything, but nearly everything. <laughs> So, of all the agricultural products that you have there, why onions? Uh, that's, uh, you know, because onion is, uh, in every recipe in the world, nearly they use onions. That's so, true. if you go to Africa, they eat onions. United States, they eat onions. They eat onions over the whole world. And it's a fantastic product because, uh, you know, it's cheap. And you can, uh, you know, it's... Uh, full of all kinds of vitamins and antioxidant oxidants and you can uh, you know it's a it's a it's a nice product to work with okay and um is there a special way that you process your onions like why is it fried this way uh i think the fried onion you know you have two kind of there's let's say two to origin, you know, it started in Denmark because the Danish people, they eat it on their hot dogs and, uh, you know, it's very tasty. I don't know why, but if you eat a hot dog in Denmark, it tastes, it tastes even better as you taste it somewhere <laughs> else in Europe because they have some kind of hot dog history. They eat it a lot and it's everywhere. That's one thing. And the second thing is that you have the, it's not the, the like we say, the crisp, you have two two types you have the crispy fried onion and you have the french fried onion and uh, french fried onion is, uh, it comes from the united states where uh, they use it uh, for the green bean casserole uh, recipe that's true that's true and uh, tell me a little bit more about um, the technology that you use to fry the onions you know i can't tell you everything about the technology because you know that's of course uh, uh, secret but you know the main thing is that you know uh, we uh, the we always use fresh onions. So, you know, each crispy fried onion that we sell, we have grown ourselves. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it's quite, you know, we use uh, wheat flour, we use uh, onion, oil, and salt, and that's mainly the four ingredients for the product. And, you know, we, we peel it, we fry it, that's more or less the so, so a lot of your crispy onions are made with wheat flour then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you said you also have organic and gluten-free products. Yeah, yeah, we do that as well. Uh, so, you know, you you name it and we make it. Oh, cool. Um, what are the most innovative new ways to use your products? Um, let's say, you know, now it's getting very popular on the burger. So you see, for example, also as well on sushi, which is, uh, you know, if you go to a sushi bar, 
most mm-hmm. uh, most often you see the sushi with fried onions. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's maybe not uh, in, uh, for example, in Europe and in Russia, we use the onion bread. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe I just show you, you know, it's... Uh, oh, that's interesting. Uh, it is like yeah. uh, inside the bread, like a baguette yeah, form. Put it into the dough. Uh-huh. Very tasty. So <laughs> it's very, very popular in uh, in Germany. Oh, they love it. They eat a lot, and as well over here in the local bakery store, you can buy that. So how onion bread? Yeah, how um, how do you put it in there? Is it raw or what kind of application is that? No, they use it in their dough. They mix it through the dough, and that's the way. So is it a raw onion or is it a dehydrated onion? No, we don't use dehydrated onion. It's a raw onion. It's an onion like this. We cut it and we fry it. Okay, so how do you use it in the dough? Is it a... Uh, uh, yeah, they put it into the dough. They mix it. So is it a fried, uh, is it a fried onion that you put in the dough? Yeah, yeah okay. correct. It's right. uh, those onions. Oh, I see. Okay, great. Great. So um, h- how do people get your product? How is it packaged? So we have a uh, different kind of uh, packaging. So we have those, for example, you can uh, use them like uh, you can spread it on the, on the, on the product, like for example, a burger or into your salad or on, on your hot dog. So you have the bigger pack, this, this is like one kg, uh-huh. you know, but if for the industry, we have this pack, it's, uh, it's quite big. I, I, I try to show you. It's like, it's like, uh, a 10 kg uh, ball. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, nicely packed. Is it a sealed pro? Is it, or is it vacuumed? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, no, it's uh, yeah, it's a seal a sealed product. Yeah. So, you know, fried onions. That's great. Uh, what other products do you offer? What what we offer, as I said, you know, it's like uh, peeled onion. So we peel it. We uh, and we sell them to the salad companies, and they slice it into rings or uh, cubes, and they mix it into their salads. Uh, like what we do is, for example, we are exporting onions to the whole world. So if you go to Africa, you go to Indonesia, you go to Malaysia, you go to many countries in the world, and you will find our onions. We export, like I said, to eighty countries. Wow! So that's 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 quite a quite a thing. And then as well, you have the shallot. The shallot is, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, like uh, it's it's in between uh, of a garlic and an onion, and that's what we do as well. So, you know, uh, we uh, we export them to the United States okay. and to many other countries. Interesting. Um, so, what is your favorite way of eating eating onions? Uh, I would say I like it uh, very much into the bread because you know it's it's you know it gives a very nice flavor to the bread and uh, makes it uh, really nice. It gives a really nice taste taste to the bread. But as well, I like it on a hot dog or a burger. As well, we have the pizza. I will show you just one moment. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's getting the pizza for me. Hopefully, I wish I can eat it. <laughs> you see, it's the oh. it's the. Pizza burger. So it's a pizza burger. burger. So who is it by? I want to see who, who is it by? Which brand is yeah, that? It's a, it's a Dr. Utker. It's a very... Can, can you show that to me again? I will show you again one moment. That is so neat. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's like yeah. top and bottom pizza, and then yeah, the burger yeah. in between. <laughs> But it gives it, it gives a really nice taste because, for example, if you uh, in the Netherlands, the product is coming from um, Indonesia, you know, and they use it all on their uh, on their dishes. Oh, so in the okay. Netherlands, you know, we eat more like uh, in, with Indonesian dishes, but uh, now it's becoming popular everywhere because it adds a nice taste to the, right. to the product. Oh, that's, oh, that's interesting. interesting. So um, that was like one of my next questions, but I guess I, I have to ask the next question. What is the most unusual way your customers have used your onions besides in the pizza burger? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I would say it's uh, sushi because, you know, uh, for us it's quite strange that suddenly the, the sushi industry started to use it and, uh, you know, we, 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 we didn't... We didn't. You didn't expect, expect it, right? Nice. Right. Sushi yeah, I think it's the texture. You know, if if anything, you know, people are after the crispy texture, and because onion is such a amazing taste to it, right? I mean, it's just yes. one of those things where it just comes naturally with the taste and the texture. That's why it's so popular right now. So you know, I, and and one of the reasons why I have you on today is because we want to you know focus this podcast on natural flavors and i be believe um onions are sometimes overlooked by the baker and basically not you know considered as a natural flavor and um i see a lot of trends with um the high proteins and um high you know uh keto and um so keto baking is Uh, it's, it's, it's coming up as a big trend here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And with keto baking, we have a lot of uh, other kinds of flours, you know, that have different aromas like lentils and legumes, you know. And uh, while some people utilize some flavor masking, a lot of people forget that they can actually turn to herbs and spices like onion, you know, to create um, a different aroma for keto products. So I really felt that by having you on today, you know, you could tell this story a little bit more about um, like why onions, you know, how onions um, are, are created and um, why uh, people should use onions. So, um, you know, back to the story at the beginning, um, you know, how, How old is your company? I mean, I know you said 66 years old, but um, tell me a little bit more about the business, the family. I mean, is this a family business? Yeah, it's already a family business. Like I said, you know, it started in 1990. You know, we joined, uh, my father first uh, started with a partner and then, uh, he, uh, you know, the partner. Uh, he left the company and then, uh, you know, my brother and myself, we joined the company as well. Uh, my brother-in-law is, uh, is in, is in the, the company. So, uh, uh, you know, it's like we we love the product. So, you know, it's like everything we have onions, we are thinking and we're working and we whole day is about onions. So, you know, like I said, is that uh, what we would like is uh, we would do the whole range. Uh, because you know, if you use the whole range, uh, you don't need, you don't need, don't need to throw anything away, and you can use the onions. So, for example, is that uh, like I said, you know, we, we we plant the onion, but we can fry it, you know. And if there is an onion, for example, we have a, a special optical sorting machine, 
and you know it's it's the, one of the, the the first machines in the Netherlands, and we scan all the onions, so we know exactly what quality it is. And you know sometimes it go to industry, sometimes it it can go to to the fresh. So the main thing is that uh, we don't throw anything away. So we use everything from the onion. So either frying, either peeling, either for fresh or so. And is there a quality to the onions that you use? I mean, I'm I'm sure like there is a point at harvest, right? I mean, how do you know when to harvest an onion and you know process it? I guess. Yeah, it's it's it, it it's the depending for what kind of you for what you need the onion. So if you need the onion, for example, to export to Africa, you need a very strong skin onion. So you know the the co the co the color is not so important, but it's more important uh, to have a strong onion. So it can travel far and it can uh, be stored for long. But for example, you know if you need to onions for peeling, the skin is not that important. Mm -hmm. So you you harvest it at a different time. You let it grow up to the end, and then you can harvest it. So everything is depending for what do you need it. So for example, if you fry the onions, you know it's not the it's not most important. Uh, do you still are you still there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not the most important. Like, uh, how does it look like? But it's more important the content of the onion. So how many, you know, what kind of onion is? How how long you can store it? Uh, how easy to peel? How easy to fry? You know, this. So each each onion has a different, uh, uh, let's say, uh, use. So you need a different type. Okay. okay. You have all kind of seeds. So, for example, all kind of seeds, all kind of sets. So, some sets, for example, they are more early. Some some sets they have, for example, Japanese genetics. Other have more like German genetics. Some onions they are better for storing. Other better for peeling. Others are early. So, there's a lot of varieties and a lot of possibilities. Okay. And um, what is the um criteria like is there um is there a harvest time for onions yeah and when so is in, that in the, in the netherlands we have one harvest time it's so let's say we harvest from the the end of july up to uh mid mid september oh we're in harvest time right right now aren't we yeah. yes 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 we are uh, a lot of trucks are coming so do you just harvest once a year yeah once a year yeah okay and how many tons of onions is that? I mean, it's just like massive amount of onions yeah. you process. We do like like the total. We produce like uh, like a total is about two hundred thousand tons of onions, oh. everything together. Wow, so that's, uh, that's quite a few. So, do you have like a short time period to uh, to process them, or do you? No, we har we harvest them in uh, let as I said mid July to up to mid September, and you know we can process them the whole year around because you know oh, okay. uh, s some varieties they are very good for storing, other one others they are very early. So you know we plan it the whole year. So you actually have storage facilities to store it all year round. Yep, yeah, we do have. Yeah. And, and do you have to keep them? Like, is that a specific humidity you have to keep them at, or because I know onion mold, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. how, how do you keep them? Yeah, it's all computerized. So, for example, you know, we 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 use, uh, for example, outside air or inside air. You know, we look to the humidity of the of the air. So, you know, it's uh, you know, it's it's like uh, the computers are adapting to the. Uh, 
to the situation outside. So that's really neat. And of course, yeah. physically, we, we inspect ourselves ourselves as well. My brother goes from store to store and see how the onion looks like because, you know, we can use as much as computers we want, but sometimes we need to look ourselves as well. That's true. That's true. And, and, and are onions like somewhat potatoes, you know, like the longer you store it, um, I, I don't know, the more it matures or, or ages, you know. Yeah, of course, of course. But uh, it's depending, uh, like I said, it's, it's depending the variety, it's depending the store uh, condition. So, you know, you need to really know, really know what you are doing. You need experience in this. Well, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Let's take a break to talk about our new documentary series called Scale Up. Follow me as I help a mid-sized regional bakery move to the next level. Go to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Ask Dr. Lin. Go there to check out the episode and um, let me know what do you think. Up next... Myrna Fossum, or should I say, the Myrna Fossum. She can take any food product and break it down into its taste components, just like that. Here's Myrna. Today we have Myrna Fossum. Welcome, Myrna. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Myrna is an expert sensory guru, and I can't wait for her to share her stories with you. So let's start, Myrna. Where did you get your, your sensory experience from? I'm not really sure, actually. It's one of those things that I don't really know where I got it from. <laughs> I always wanted to be involved with food. I grew up in Scotland, and I always wanted to have a tea room. I love tasting food. I love tasting products. Then I came to this country, and I worked for Nabisco. Wait, did you, did you go to school in Edinburgh. Scotland? Edinburgh. Oh, which yeah, university? Edinburgh. 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 Oh. <laughs> and then and I came what, what to this program country. was that? Well, it was called uh, it was called domestic science in those days. Interesting. Is it yeah. something like uh Don't call me the girls of the kitchen. Home yeah. economics yeah. like when basically, I was growing up. Basically. <laughs> That's what I wanted to do when yes, I was growing up. I know. <laughs> anyway, so, so so you came to yeah. the United States to work to with Nabisco. Well, not to work there. I came oh. to actually work in White Plains in a hospital as a dietitian. Oh. Okay. Then I got a job in Nabisco, and I didn't really want it at the time, and it was um, sensory, and I didn't really know what that was. But I knew it was food, and I knew I always wanted to talk about food. And I loved cooking and baking, and I was good at describing it. And somehow I've got an amazing sense of smell and taste. And I think that's helped me over the years, just personally and in my job. So I worked at Nabisco for many years as in sensory department and grew to become the manager there. And in those days, you know, we did very simple type of testing. And it's just grown into a science over the years. And it's grown into a science in many universities. But I think I've changed um, the way I look at sensory and the way maybe we experienced it in the many earlier years because I think that we need to be more involved in what we're tasting to describe it differently and to be less technical, sort of taking off the white coats right. and really analyzing it so that people can understand it. And 
in the schools, they come out with a great education, but it has to be practical. So if it's not practical, and these companies nowadays, they're not going to use it. They tend to ah, do statistics and analyze data, and yet every plant I've worked in worldwide, we just want to know the bottom line. It has to be accurate, it has to be timely, it has to be cost-effective, it has to be meaningful, and it has to be something that's reproducible so we understand our product. So what kind of sensory are you talking about? Because to the layperson who has never heard or seen a sensory program, isn't it just taste and smell? Mm -hmm. It is, actually. It's all of the above. I mean, it's visually, I always say to people, if we were doing something with, say, for example, bread, the first thing we look at is the appearance of something. You know, when you go into the shop, the first thing you see is the packaging. So that's an important part of it. It's all visual. It's the appearance. And it's the appearance with the finished product. And then it's the aroma of it. And it's learning a language internally so that we can discover what the attributes are. So it's learning a language. So first of all, it's the appearance. And then it's the aroma. And then it's the flavor, the taste, and then the aftertaste all pulled into one magnificent piece. Because if we don't have all of those pieces together, it's not going to work. So we think about that when we're tasting for producing a perfect product. I often say, what is the best product out there? The best product is what I always say is one, it's fast flavor release, you taste flavor right away. And it's well blended, like a symphony. I always describe a well blended flavor like a symphony. It's got lots of flavor notes. They all blend well together, but they don't fight each other. And at the end, once you've swallowed that flavor, what is the aftertaste? If it's a pleasant aftertaste, you want more. But if it lingers too long, we don't, mm, we don't want another piece. So there's many parts of sensory. So there's the, I get very excited about talking about sensory because it's a very important part of one's life because we all eat. But we learn to taste. You know, they used to talk about the slow food movement. But the slow food movement is just saying learning to taste. So when we're eating, sometimes we're not really thinking about what we're tasting. One day I gave some panelists just some raisins to eat. And you could sit with a raisin <laughs> in your mouth and actually taste the flavors of a raisin. You know, the sweetness and the sourness and the, the spiciness, there's lots of flavors, but most people don't take time to taste all those things. So sensory is taking all of the senses to produce that good product that consumers love. And there's two parts of sensory. There's the internal part of sensory, where we're talking about what my panelists always laugh when I say, what is? Because there's nothing good or bad. It's just what is, whether it's uh, something very spicy or something very bitter or sweet or salt, but it's just what is. But we internally can make what we think is a perfect product. But if the consumers don't like it, what's the point? We can make something internally that's got all the best ingredients and we think we this is this amazing taste then we take it out to the consumers and they don't like it so internally it's all about being objective it's like being a machine they laugh when i say we are the tools or we're the machines internally and we talk about that objectively i don't let them tell me what they like about something i always say i don't care what you like because we're not the consumers then we go out 
and we talk to the consumers about like and dislike. There's many ways to do things. You know, years ago to do set up a sensory panel, we used to say it was so expensive. We used to have to have special lighting, special rooms, whatever it is. But you know, over the years I've been doing this for so many years, and over the years I realized I can teach anyone how to taste because we all eat. And unless you're a nosmic, taste blind, we can all learn to taste. And it adds a great dimension to your life, not just at work, not just in all the food companies that are out there that were developing amazing flavors, but it helps us in our lifestyle, in what we're tasting and what we see and what we hear and what we touch. It's all about the senses. Right, so uh, you're telling me that you can teach anyone off the street so. I think so. on how to taste and make them objective about it. Because how are we gonna make companies use this particular skill to their advantage? I don't think they can actually have a good product development team without sensory. I think it's impossible. I, th I totally agree with that. I mean, we can make products all day, but if it doesn't taste good, good and, and taste is subjective until right. you actually train a panel, right? Yeah, taste. I agree with it's that, truly. So it's all about tasting, but I mean, marketing are the ones who come up with the project or with the ideas or the light bulb goes off and we want to make something, but then we have to do, develop it. So developing it, unless we've got a, ta a panel that's trained to be able to explain in detail the objective flavor notes that we're tasting, we can't be comparing different flavors. So if we're making an orange marmalade, there's many different types of orange marmalade. Which one am I going to go out with? I don't know. But if I'm looking at all these marmalades and I'm tasting sourness and sweetness and bitterness and rindy notes, all these flavor notes, but now I know the difference in all of them, but then I go to the consumer to find out which the preference. But internally, we describe the product. For example, to say marmalade, I don't know why I'm talking about marmalade, but say marmalade, if we had two products, and uh, we have a product on the market, our market, our marmalade, and we need to, uh, uh, one of our special um, suppliers comes along and said, I have a better orange marmalade for you. I have a better orange, different type of orange. I can get it cheaper, it's better supply, etc., etc. But if the consumer likes the marmalade we have, they love that for whatever reasons, and we make a change, what are they going to think? Mm, they've done something different. Maybe I don't like it. So we need to make it consistent. The two things that consumers look for, and I've proven this over the years, is number one, when they've got a quality product, they like it. They don't know why they like it sometimes, but they like it, and it has to taste the same every single time. So that's the problem we have in R&D, in research and development internally, is making sure we have our product tasting the same. And that's when you use sensory evaluation, because if you don't have a trained panel, you have a lot of people standing around the lab, I like it, maybe I don't like it, what do you think? We come up with That never happens. No, never happens. <laughs> never happens. It happens Spans all the time. <laughs> all this information and nobody can pull it together. And yeah. we have, this way we have a panel that's objective like a machine telling right. us it's sweet, it's bitter, it's fruity. And I'll say, what type of fruit? And we'll describe it. So once you have that panel, it's an amazing tool. And you know, there's nothing else out in the marketplace like it. There's nothing like the human mouth. That's true. We tried. We're, We're tried. still trying. 
texturometers, yeah. colorimeters, yeah. Uh, maybe there's the nose, but there's yeah. nothing like the yes, human mouth. And, yes, yeah. and the aroma. So it's training our cells just to be aware, it's awareness. And I've really only had one person, I haven't been able to train, and he was a nosmic. <laughs> <laughs> and he was very thin. So, so you're like, saying that everybody is trainable. <laughs> I think they are, if they want to be. You have to have the interest. The key thing is to being on a sensory panel is having interest and keeping it exciting. Because I love what I do. I love my job. I've trained panels, I think, all over the world. But it's liking what I do, being challenged, sometimes with very difficult products to evaluate. So what you're telling me is that bakeries should have a sensory panel to approve or uh, help along the R&D process before it gets uh, liked or disliked by the consumer yes. groups. Right. Okay, got it. Know, we have to know our product better than the outside consumer. So we need to internally know because then we get if we get some consumer data then, we have to correlate it with the internal data right. because sometimes consumers can't describe it. Sometimes, they, in fact, very often the consumers talk about sour when they mean bitter. And then if we were to look at that data and think in, the, in our lab, oh, the consumers think this is too bitter and they actually mean sour, we're going to be wasting our time. So we need to know our product internally before we send it out for a consumer test. Correct. It's all about conserving uh, money and time and all those things that I said up front, we have to be efficient with everything we do. And we're not going to spend money on going out and doing big consumer tests if it's not, not ready to go out to see the consumer. Correct. And um, just as an example on how I used the process that you taught me how in the past, That's because right. I guess we haven't talked about this yet, but Myrna actually um, taught our sensory panel when I was at Days Kilobred, and um, we we uh, put a process and procedure in place. And um, what you taught me was um, to look at a product first before sending it out. So one of the situations we had was an off flavor that nobody, like the untrained panel couldn't, right. you know, right. couldn't. We're preventing that by yeah, testing. Yeah, couldn't yes. taste it, couldn't quantify what it was, and we brought it back to the panel that quantified it, and then we found out where it came from, you know, and, and that prevented a whole deal of it even, right. you know, happening before it reached the final consumer. So that was an example that right. you just said um, on, on why it's so helpful in having an internal panel is to catch those things in those expensive mistakes before it goes out. Big expensive mistakes. Yeah. Because what it costs to put in a panel, it doesn't have to be a big panel. It, you know, People expect it to be a very expensive program to put in, but nowadays, because I've simplified things so much, as I said before, I've streamlined it all. Because it has to be cost effective or they're not going to use it, but it's the same in the plants. We have to have a program in the plant to make sure the product is consistent. So if we have a program in the plant where these people on the line are uh, sort of emboldened to make a decision by saying, we have, we now know that this is an off note. Now they may not be able to describe that off note, then it would be notified to their supervisor and the supervisor then could submit it to sensory panel. So there's procedures, there's very much procedures and methodologies, but simplified, not complicated, not taking a whole lot of time, but accurate. And actually, once the panel is trained, which doesn't take a lot of time to train it, but once they're trained well, 
then to sit and do an, an ordinary profiling description of that product or to see how different it is from a, a competitor pro or make a competitor analysis it can be panels last maybe 20 minutes half an hour so it's not lengthy it's just the training it takes time but once we have the training it's accurate but we're saving time and money for the company because they understand their product and they know how to make changes to the product or even if they want to improve their product we know how to do that because we're and writing descriptions of the product, it's almost like writing a recipe. And nowadays, people are trying to copy other people's products, to better their own products. Well, we can basically, by taste, by having a trained panel, we can almost write a recipe for that product. So what you're saying is we could actually go to the supermarket and buy the top brand there and duplicate it through yeah, a sensory panel. Absolutely, yes. It's amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. Because And it makes it much easier for people that want to match or, you know, if you're going to go to a company and say, say it's a chocolate product and they say, can you make a chocolate for, sauce for us and tell me what, what do you want? Well, I don't know, make it the best. Well, what's the best? The best is what consumers want. But we can internally develop products that might have certain ranges of flavors and we know the differences and then we can go to the consumers and see what they prefer. But internally it's doing our homework and it's saving, it's saving so much time and, and money and, as you said, recalls from the marketplace because we know our product before it gets out there. That's a great idea. So, say, if I don't want to put in a, a taste panel in my company, can I just hire you just to break down the product and tell lots me what's people, in it? Yes, lots of people send me products. That <laughs> happens a lot. I get shipments all the time. I do. What I kind of terrible well, job is that? Oh, well, some it depends on what the product is. You know, I get lots of things. But I got some yogurt sent to me recently, just overnighted, and we evaluated. We were looking at different flavors, key flavor nuts, and they wanted to prove before we went out further. So I do a lot of that, letting oh, them know. So we do that. But, you know, lots of times I just go in for an overview day with a company just to say, because a lot of people are afraid of sensory evaluation. It sounds a little scientific. But it's actually so simple, and people love it then for the lifestyle. It changes your whole way of eating and drinking wine and everything. Yeah. But sometimes I go into a company and say, let's just look at your products. Let's just evaluate them. And sometimes they don't really know how their own products taste. They go out in the marketplace and say, we make the best product. Well, if we always blind code products, so we might look at five or six different products randomly, plus theirs, and all randomly coded. And then I go through each one of them and say, here's your product compared to the rest. So it's making life simple for them by making them really understand their product. That's great. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. So, so if you have a recommendation for a company who's trying to grow and um, what would be um, the best recommendation to uh, put in a sensory panel in there? I mean, why? Why should they put in a sensory panel if they're growing? For all the above reasons <laughs> that we just said, to make life simpler, to, to understand the product, to make it more efficient, to get it out the marketplace quicker. You get out the marketplace way quicker than any other way to do this. So sensory is a tool that I don't, I can't imagine any product company, any company producing food products being able to be successful without having a sensory program. And I have worked, I worked for Mars for many years, and I worked for Mr. Mars in Las Vegas for years. And one of the things he said to me, you know, dear, I've been tasting this product by myself for many years, and he was very successful, obviously. 
but I'm getting too old to taste this anymore. And I realized then that in many companies over the years when they're smaller, it's the golden tongue. And as companies grow, uh, we need to develop a tool. He asked me, come and do that thing that you do, you know, develop, <laughs> develop this program. So he's tired of being the golden tongue. He was the golden tongue. And wow. he, he understood that. And he said, I, I, don't, I can't do this anymore. And this is what happens in many corporations that I go to. It's somebody that is, usually I always say, you know, the head of the company or the one who's in charge has got the best taste. So really? Well, you know, sometimes they're, always af- sometimes they're a little afraid when I say, we're going to taste some basic tastes today and see how we differ- differentiate between sweet and sour and bitter, etc. They get a little nervous about that because they really sometimes are not very good tasters. No, now, sometimes no. they've been really successful and they've been lucky by, by making judgments without having an internal sensory panel. But the bigger you grow, the more important it is to have a trained panel. Because the golden tongue, I always say, what if they get hit over by a bus <laughs> or sometimes you don't feel like tasting yeah. and sometimes, sometimes you have a cold mad or you're or mad or you're Ill. Your wife or you, <laughs> right? you don't feel like being this golden tongue anymore when everyone says taste this what do you think you know Mr. Mars used to take a spoon and have me taste it with a spoon <laughs> taste this well I mean I'm not really tasting but if you're sitting in a formalized setting even if it's 10 minutes sitting in a formalized setting with a ballot in front of you and the product there and a, gla- a cup of water and I'm concentrating on that. I'm learning to taste it better. But somebody just saying, well, this is the best product. Well, who agrees it's the best? So what we're doing in sensory is saying what it is. And we don't have golden tongues anymore because the golden tongues can either leave the company. What happens if right. they leave the company? Or, or somebody buys them over. Yes. You know, then they have to what's the happened? Right. And it's not a panel of one. I remember somebody that I worked with years ago said he was in the, uh, worked in a chocolate company years out in the um, plantations. And he said, I'm tasting chocolate liquor I'm making, but I'm a panel of one. So I taste myself every day 10 times to replicate myself, to see what I'm doing. So it's not a panel of one, because I could have a cold. I could be on some kind of medication that's going to affect my taste. There's lots of things. So you could have some brain injury. <laughs> lots of things can happen. Mm. So we need to have a panel of people that are trained and kept calibrated. The thing with having a panel is ongoing. It's not just a starter panel that I forget to calibrate. Like, calibrate it. It's like playing the piano. You need to practice. Right. So it's all about practice. Right. So thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your wisdom. Well, I love talking about food and sensory. (laughs) All right. We will leave your email on this podcast. And hopefully, if anyone else is interested, contact Myrna. Thank you. Thank you, Myrna. There you have it. I hope Myrna convinced you that you need a sensory panel with your product development process. Well, before I end, I want to do a shout out to our new sponsor, Top Taste. Thank you. You have made Bakerpedia and this Baked in Science series available for all bakers out there for free. Now, find out more about Top Taste and their onion products on our sponsor showcase. Lastly, please like, comment, and subscribe to Baked in Science. Till the next time, bakers, taste and smell better. Bye.